Welcome to Clothes Horse, the podcast that has been exclusively wearing black bras since seventh grade. And yes, I dyed them with writ dye. I did it pretty ineptly, and they were mostly a brownish gray, but it's the sentiment that counts, right? <laughs> I'm your host, Amanda, and this is episode 124. You've probably noticed already that this is a long one, and that's because my guest Sam and I discovered that we can talk about bras for a very long time. And rather than split this conversation into two episodes, I decided to just like, you know, go for it and do it all at once, which worked out very well for me <laughs> because my day job has been kicking my ass so hard for the past few weeks and while this episode still required hours of editing and other work, it felt like such a relief. It felt so luxurious to not spend hours researching and writing for it. So Sam is here for a few hours with us today, and she is the owner of Broad Lingerie based in Toronto, Ontario. And Broad has a singular purpose. I had Sam send me her elevator pitch, which is like the summary of your business that you give to people. It's supposed to be pretty short. The idea being that you could convey the entire breadth and purpose of your business to someone in a short elevator ride. It feels very madman to me, that term. Anyway, here's her elevator pitch. I loved it so much. I just wanted to read it to you. Many fool-busted people find bra shopping stressful and awkward, but that's no way to live. Broad lingerie is a different kind of shop, one where you don't have to ask if we carry your size, where your voice is heard, where you're treated with respect, where bra shopping can actually be fun. I mean, isn't that great? It's great, right? When Sam first reached out to me, she wasn't intending to be a guest on the podcast, and she was shocked when I asked her to be. Because while the world of bras, it's just not sustainable. It's full of plastic and synthetic fibers and all of the other things I'm constantly disdaining here on Close Horse. But I do think that the real issue with the sustainability or lack thereof in lingerie, especially bras, is not the materials or trims, which kind of need to be what they are in order to do their jobs. We're going to explain all of that. But instead, the issue with all of these items is the overconsumption. From bra subscription services, which are a pet peeve of mine, because no one needs three or four new bras every month. There's those so-called rules around bras and lingerie, like everyone should own a nude bra or... Each neckline slash style of garment requires a different kind of bra. All of these constructs, if you will, mislead us into over-consuming bras. And to top it all off, a lot of bras just don't fit us properly. So we keep buying more and more of them. Furthermore, a lot of us don't know how to care for the bras we own, so we're shortening the lifespan of them. I'm going to say this multiple times in my conversation with Sam and probably again afterwards. Yeah, definitely afterwards. But I'm going to say it again now. The most sustainable bra is one that fits you well, that makes you feel your best and gets a lot of wear and proper care. That rhymed. That wasn't intentional. It doesn't matter where you bought it. 
Would I love for all of the workers making bras to be paid a living wage and work under great conditions? Yes, definitely. And so there are some brands that I skip altogether, like Victoria's Secret, because I know that it is 100% not a good situation. But I also recognize that there's not a perfect bra company out there that is accessible to everyone. So in today's conversation, we're going to explain the importance of a good fitting bra, how to find one, how to care for it, and so much more. We're also going to be discussing our relationships with our breasts and how society impacts those relationships. And yes, we're going to be doing a lot of boob talking today. So use your personal judgment when listening to this around little ones. All right, let's jump right in. Sam, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, um, I'm Sam Conover. I own Broad Lingerie, and that's a store specializing in full busted sizes in Toronto, Canada. Um, so basically, our motto is buying a big bra shouldn't be a big deal. So we're trying to make bra shopping easier for uh, people who wear size D and above. As a child, as you're growing up, were you like, it was like, you had to write things for school. You said, like, when I grow up, I'm going to be the bra lady. I'm going to sell lingerie. Like, was that was that something you dreamed of doing since you were a child? Or is there another way you got into it? Uh, no. So I did always have an interest in fashion. Um, my lovely Nana uh, destroyed my poor young mind by getting me a uh, subscription to Vogue at a <laughs> tender young age. And so I was always obsessed with fashion and thought I'll be a designer, but that never happened. Um, but no, I, I worked, um, as a bra fitter for, uh, a gazillion years, maybe 15 years. Um, and then I went back to school, uh, cause I wanted to try something else and went to school to become a objects conservator specializing. What's that? In, <laughs> so basically, uh, that's the person who works in the back of the museum, um, on a glamorous day doing like objects repairs. So like if there's like an old vase doing, uh, if it's broken, putting it back together and painting in missing pieces. Um, and the less glamorous day, they're the person saying, oh, the humidity is too high and we need to change the light levels and all of that <laughs> kind of business. Um, so I did that for a little bit, but I kept thinking about bras. <laughs> wow. I mean, I know a lot of like 10 year old boys who have the same problem. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know them personally. I've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, I mean, to say you work with bras is a, is a vast, vast understatement. But, you know, something you and I touched on as we were preparing for this is this idea that bras are like frivolous, that they're silly, that every time we talk about bras, we should be like giggling or blushing. Or an example I have is like when I was growing up, my mom would be scandalized, just scandalized if I left a bra lying around where a male might see it in the house. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I I don't think – I mean, listen, I think bras can be sexy, but, like, bras are also, like, doing some serious work. Why do people think that bras are so scandalous and unimportant and, I don't know, can't be seen by men? <laughs> uh, I, I guess because, like, they're, they're associated – 
uh, with breasts and associated, although not everyone who's wearing a bra is a woman, but they're associated with women. Uh, so those are. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's always the patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. They're <laughs> even ruining bras. I know, right? I So I was really excited when you reached out to me because when I was thinking about the most regretful purchases I've made, the most wasteful purchases I've made, meaning the things that I bought and I wore the least, it's always bras. It, bras can go awry really fast, right? I'm excited for you to tell us today. I mean, we're going to talk about all kinds of bra stuff, but one thing we're going to hit on is finding the right size because I think that seems to be where a lot of the trouble begins. And it seems to me, based on my experience, that there is, much like there isn't consistent sizing for all the other clothes we put on our body, bra sizing seems to be really problematic. It's really confusing. Why is it so confusing? Does it have to be that way? Um, to be honest, and and I'm obviously biased, I think it's actually really elegant and and ah. makes sense to me, but I think it's something that uh, takes a lot of time to understand because with a bra, you're trying to uh, express two different measurements. So with with a dress, you're saying you're this size, and that size is supposed to encompass your your bust, your waist, and your hips. But with a bra, you're trying to express the measurement of of your rib cage size and your breast size, and those can be different. Um, so if bras <laughs> were sized like dresses, they'd be really bad. Um, they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to fit as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. because it's a more complicated way of, um, expressing the measurement, they're trying to express a ratio. So the difference between your rib cage and your, your bust, it ends up getting a lot more complicated. And then there's just like, a lack of education um, on how it works. And I don't think everyone needs to know, like if this is not interesting to you, (laughs) I think that there's a lot of people who myself included want to teach people how to do this. But if at the end of the day, you're like, no, that's too much. I'm blanking out. Then, (laughs) then like go and find someone who can help you. (laughs) Right. Right. Something I will say, you know, as we were talking about, like what if bras were sized like dresses I don't know if this is still happening, but I have a very, very specific memory of shopping at Forever 21. It was like 10 years ago and looking at the bras and they had underwire bras that weren't cup size. They were small, medium, large, extra large, that kind of thing. And as you were talking, I was like, what a travesty. Yeah, that hurts. (laughs) That hurts my soul. I know. I know. But once again, I serious. I wear all the clothes that I buy. I I keep my clothes for a very long time. I really love them. I have this relationship with them. But man, I have bought so many bad bras over the years. I mean, just like ones that cut my shoulders or made my boobs a weird shape or moved around when I walked or fell off my shoulders constantly on and on. I'm sure anybody who's listening to this who has been forced to wear a bra or opts to wear a bra or just has had some interaction with a bra is like, yes, yes, and yes. So I'm excited for us to get to the bottom of this. Like, one thing you said that really has stuck with me is that a lot of the bra companies out there, as in companies who are making and selling bras, aren't really great at sizing themselves. Yeah, I well, 
It's not all of them. It's more that uh, they're not great at expressing what the size <laughs> means to the public. Um, right. So I, I like that. I like that take on it. <laughs> there's like there was a bra blogger that I read because I'm a nerd. So I used to read a lot of blogs about bras and bra fitting <laughs> who, who once described like the typical bra sizing that you see in most stores as the bra matrix. Um, you're stuck in the bra Ooh. matrix. So you got to break out of it. So most of us are used to hearing sizing from like maybe 32 to 40, A to D, maybe double D. And that's sort of our conception of sizes. And those sizes are real and people who wear those sizes are real. Um, but there's so much more beyond that. And I find most of the time when people are looking for bras um, they're and having trouble, it's often because they're get they're they're outside of the matrix sizing which is basically why my store exists um so if someone was to look at me i'm a a busty person they'd be like oh okay so she's got big boobs so probably that means she's a d and i'm usually wearing about a g or a double g which then most people would say those aren't real sizes and you're making that up and that's just like (laughs) incredibly large and like you must be an impossible size but these sizes are real so I think the reason why it's so confusing is so many brands just say like, we've got the perfect bra that fits all bodies, but they only make, you know, a small handful of sizes. Um, But because we don't have that ping, like if you're to look at a clothing company and see that they only did small to extra large, you'd sort of call bullshit. Um, But if (laughs) if it's a bra company because we don't have that um, background information, you, you just sort of accept it and say, yeah, it fits all bodies. I, I've got a body. I'll, I'll try that bra. And then you're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great way to summarize it. You know, see also swimwear, yeah. right? Uh, the amount of messages I receive all day, every day asking for advice on bathing suits. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Let me know when you find it, you know, because I mean, like, I think we've talked a lot on the show about just clothing as a whole, you know, because there is such a diverse range of bodies out there. Like, people might have the same waist, chest, hip measurements as another person, but what about the length of their torso? What about the width of their shoulders? It just becomes so complicated that it is really hard to find clothes that fit you perfectly, no matter what size you are. Because, you know, designers, brands, retailers, they're just trying to fit the most amount of people uh, well enough for them to buy it. Not even great, right? Just enough for someone to say, this is acceptable. I'll buy this or keep it, right? But bras, I just, I I can make a dress that's a little too big or a little too small work for me. But a bra that is the wrong size is just psychological and physical torture. (laughs) It's it's true, though. And that's why, like, I'm so adamant of like this is this is important like if if you are a person who wears bras and has no problems then have a wonderful life i'm happy for you so i i'm not <laughs> i'm jealous and great. bitter but yes but for for a lot of people that isn't the case and it's it is important and again it's something that's so um dismissed as either frivolous or there's the sort of like well because it's small in some cases it's just a few stra- scraps of fabric so you know it it's it shouldn't matter and that's where you get some of the again the the cheaper bras or the ch- bras that thought isn't put into um so yeah some of the sizing is off it doesn't they're not really 
working to make it fit. They're just sort of making a garment that can like go on your body, but it doesn't actually perform. Um, right. And I, I think we should think of bras more the way you would think of shoes in that they're, there's something that is supposed to do a job. Um, it can be some, it can be nice to be something that makes you feel happy or looks pretty. And that, and that's great. But for most of us, our bras are doing a job. They're not just like mm-hmm. sitting on our body. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and, and, and it's a serious job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically like defying gravity, you know? <laughs> Uh, I don't I don't take the job of a bra lightly at all. Um, and like I said, I have firsthand experienced the just uh, it's like a bad day when you're wearing the wrong size bra. It really is. You know, I mean, it can be extreme discomfort or just your bras moving around and the straps are falling down all day. And that's that's the kind of thing that will drive me over the brink when I'm having a stressful day already. You know, I can feel a bad bra affecting my mental health. I can absolutely relate to that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. And I like, you know, some people who are listening to this are going to be like, I don't wear a bra. That's great. I wear a bra every day. I have, I swear, I was conditioned to wear a bra at a, a young age. And I just don't feel like my best self if I'm not wearing a bra. I always joke I can't do advanced mathematics without a that feeling of an underwire. You know, that's just like where I am because it's been so long. Like the feeling of a bra means I'm ready to go, you know. So let's talk about bra sizing. Okay. What is a bra size? We know there's a number. We know there's a letter. Allegedly, there are letters beyond D. Um, (laughs) So it's basically, so it's a code. And so this code is representing the ratio between your uh bust size and your rib cage size. So the number represents the measurement under your breasts and the letter represents the difference in inches between your rib cage and bust. So the larger the difference, the higher the number, or sorry, the higher the letter. Um, And because it's a ratio, uh, it's not a static thing. So Mm. uh, the volume of the cup is determined by the band. So basically the band is acting as the controlling factor. <laughs> this is sounding really nerdy. Um, but as you go, <laughs> no, I love this. As you go bigger in the band, the cup gets bigger too. Um, and vice versa. So if you're going smaller in the number or the band size, the, the cup is getting smaller. So this is the confusing part. This is where a lot of people end up um, having trouble buying a bra. Uh, so mm-hmm. a 36D is a bigger cup size and a bigger band size than a 34D. So most people think all D cups are the same, but they're not. It the the letter actually needs to be understood by the number attached to it. Um, so that's the confusing thing, and that a lot of people will say, okay, so I, I'm wearing a 36D, and the band feels tight, but the cups are fine, so I'm going to buy a 38D. And then they put the 38D on and they're like, now the cups are too big. And that's because the size that they actually need is a 38C. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, when you told me this a few weeks ago, it was life-changing. <laughs> and I have thought of it multiple times because I was in a situation where I needed a bra. They were sold out of my size. And I was like, oh, no big deal. I'll just get the next band size up. And then I heard your voice in my head saying, no, it's not that simple. 
Uh, which was great because I would have totally popped the wrong one and it would have been sliding all over the place all day and I would have been really upset. And so it saved me from like accidentally buying a bra that's the wrong size. It's it's very easy to buy the wrong bra. Yeah, it's well, it's hard because it also depends like you've got this you've got a lot of things going on. So the one, the fact that like the sizing is not as intuitive as we're used to, where it's just like this size means this. Um, but with bras, it's you're you're trying to figure out what the number means and what the cup means um, that fluctuates. So the the number always means the same thing, but the letter doesn't always mean the same thing. Um, so it's <laughs> it's a little more complicated. Um, and also then to make it even more complicated is that different um, different countries use different sizing systems. So I'll often get people who I will fit them in a bra and I'll say, okay, generally your size in most bras is a 36H. And then they go to a store and buy a 36H, but they don't realize that they bought a 36H in American sizing, which is several uh. sizes smaller. <laughs> And they say, wow, this is not right. (laughs) I'm not ready to tackle international bra (laughs) shopping. Um, I'm glad I have not had to deal with that. But I suppose if my luggage got lost, once again, I'm going to be hearing your voice in my mind to remind me. And it's it's not that simple. It's not even international. (laughs) So it's more of a problem when when you're in the the full bus zone, because that's where everything Mm -hmm gets more complicated. So most size, like most bra companies do A, B, C, D, and that's fine, no matter what country mm-hmm. you're in. Um, but once you go beyond a double D, they get confusing. So American <laughs> sizing likes to like just keep adding Ds onto things. So they do a double D, triple D, quadruple D. And then UK sizing starts doing double D, E, F, Double F G for some of the some of the letters double some of them don't I don't know because they feel like it um, but if you wear <laughs> a size above above a double D and go to like say additional they'll use American sizing but if you go to like a bra boutique most likely they're carrying bras with UK sizing and yeah it just gets confusing. <laughs> oh good lord yeah it's super confusing and you know. I have a question for you. I didn't ask you this when you're prepare- we were preparing, but you just reminded me of it. Okay, so we've got triple A, double A, and A. And triple A is the smallest. Double A is a little bit bigger. And then A is bigger than that, right? Yes. On the other end of the spectrum, we have D, double D, triple D. They go in the opposite direction. But we don't have like triple B, triple C, why? Why is? Do you know why this is? Why is this? I am not. Don't quote me on this, but what I think is because initially bra sizing started as A B C D, and then they saw the need to say, "Oh no, we have people smaller than A, so uh, let's add a double A or a triple A." And mm-hmm. then on the other side, they're like, "Oh no, we have people bigger than D." And for some reason, they, again, started doubling and tripling in the other direction. Um, but I think it's because... Before they finally moved to E, I guess. is there? There's an E, right? That's a thing. There's an E in UK sizing. <laughs> and, but not in the and US. And not in US. So they say triple D, which is the same size as a UK E. But if you okay. want to be confusing, in French sizing, an E is actually a double D. <laughs> 
Oh, good lord. Yeah, I mean, like, once again, we're just, like, not set up for success here. In fact, it's way more complicated and confusing than buying any other garment you put on your body. And that can be hard enough, right? Because everybody's so inconsistent. Something you and I talked about, I think about this a lot when I think about sizing, is that size is so emotional for all of us in clothing. But I feel like in bras, it is specifically. And your emotional feelings towards different sizes are all individual. For me, as a bustier person, I remember being measured and being told I was a double D. Uh, That turned out not to be true. That person was bad sizing. (laughs) But I remember, like, crying, being like, my boobs aren't that big. How dare you? You know, as if that meant something important about me as a person. Um, But I know that there is there are a lot of people who are straight up like I don't care what size you think my bra is I'm not going beyond a D and they're jamming they're jamming them into D's every day right they're like I'll get a 48 D yeah. to avoid having to get a bigger size like they're just wearing the bra it's not a good situation right but I conversely you know on I haven't had this thought process since I was about 14 but other people are like uh, no, I am not an A. I am a B, you know, or I am definitely a C. I'm not an A, like that kind of thing. So when it comes to like breasts and bras, it's like our emotional, our emotional response to sizing and our like our just own individual feelings about sizing, I think are even more complicated. It, it is. And like, there's so many uh, weird stereotypes about like, either end of like if you're in that like happy middle then everything is fine but if you're too small quote unquote or too big quote unquote then there's you know you're doing something wrong (laughs) and and I think it can be really hard for for a lot of people like I I was someone who when I first get it started getting bras in the right size it was it was a revelation, but it was also shocking because I, I was suddenly, I had gone from buying D, which was already stressful enough um, in, in the emotional sense to suddenly buying F at that time in my life. And, and that, like, I remember telling a friend that I got a bra fitting. I'm like, I got a bra fitting. And um, so it turns out like I should be wearing a 32 F. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, that, that's made up. And like laughed at me. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> oh my, my size God, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> so I think it's really emotional and it's really like I think especially my my sort of expertise obviously is on the full full bust end of the spectrum. But because mm-hmm. these sizes are are not commonly found, there's this added thing where it's like like I hate saying that I'm a specialty store because there's this weird sort of emotional um, feeling about a specialty store where it's like, my boobs are so big that I can't shop in a regular store. And I hate that. Like, I wish that I'm glad I exist. I'm glad people could shop at my store, but I wish that people could just go and buy a bra at a regular store and it wasn't a big deal. Whereas like in, in some places, so in the UK, a lot of the like regular stores, quote unquote, like not a I'm a specialty bra boutique stores will carry 
these sizes, not all of them, but more. So they'll have maybe sizing up to a G. But I think in North America, it's so like confusing and demoralizing when you go to a store and you're like, oh, so I don't even exist here. <laughs> I, I guess my size isn't real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine telling someone their size isn't real. That's rough. All of you in the clothes horse community know that I'm obsessed with two things. Number one is leading a hashtag secondhand first way of life, meaning prioritizing the use of existing materials and items rather than buying new. And number two, supporting small businesses. I firmly believe that small business is the future, and our future depends on the intersection of secondhand first and small business. That's the sweet spot right there. But real talk, running a small business, I know some of you are about to nod your heads as I say this, running a small business is hard, and it's kind of overwhelming to know where to begin. It's even more complicated when it's a small business with a focus on upcycling. If you're a maker who has been thinking about starting your own business using upcycled materials or you're looking to really, I don't know, level up your existing upcycling business and turn it into a full-time job that actually pays your bills – then I have a suggestion for you. Check out the Rags to Riches Virtual Textile Upcycling Summit on April 20th through 22nd. Learn from the pros how to grow a textile upcycling business that you love, that supports the planet and your ideal lifestyle. Learn from the pros how to grow a textile upcycling business that supports the planet and you. Rags to Riches shines bright light on leaders in textile upcycling. You'll have the chance to learn from entrepreneurs, manufacturers, suppliers, authors, and activists offering alternative options in textile consumption. You'll also establish tangible next steps to level up your upcycling business. Yes, you can turn your business into a full-time job that supports and sustains you. And you'll also get to submerge yourself in the company of awesome people who are working to do better for the planet and make really cool stuff. After attending Rags to Riches, you'll know that you are part of our environmental solution. Textile upcycling entrepreneurs, thinkers, authors, and activists will expand your knowledge of careful consumption. You'll learn a dependable method for sourcing goods and materials. You'll be able to reliably source materials beyond the thrift stream. You'll network with and support upcycling brands that align with your values and aesthetic. And you'll understand the power of your purchases, both as a business and as an individual. You will realize once and for all that creative textile upcycling is a viable, sustainable business option. You'll hear from makers who have traveled diverse paths to arrive at their business sweet spot by being financially sustainable and defining success on their own terms, all while doing great things for the planet. And you'll have tangible next steps to level up your upcycling. You'll learn from the pros as they share specific expertise that will engage, inspire, and help you know the importance to both you and the planet of taking your textile upcycling up a notch. 
Tickets for Rags to Riches include three solid days of inspiration and education, 60 days of free access to Stitcherhood, which is an inclusive community of upcycling entrepreneurs. You'll get access to a private Rags to Riches networking group, a virtual goodie bag, games and prizes, and so much more. Go learn more at bit.ly slash Rags to Riches Summit. I guess like one of the arguments I'm here to make today is that even though it's very challenging, it's really important to do the best job you can to get over your ideas about sizing when it comes to bras. I mean, everything in general, but the right fitting bra can make just such a difference in your life. Exactly. Um, Right, right. So like, why don't you, why don't you tell us why we should care about wearing the right size Um, bra? Well, one. Uh, your body will likely feel better. So it can be as simple as not being uncomfortable all day. Um, depending, yes. depending on your size. And I'm, I'm, I don't like to say like all your problems will be solved because that's not the case. So some people are really <laughs> sensitive. Some people have, um, uh, like mobility issues or some people like the shape of their body, whatever. Sometimes mm-hmm. a bra won't feel like a fluffy dream cloud, but at least can get somewhere closer to that um, rather than it feeling like torture. Um, so right. hopefully it feels more comfortable. Hopefully your your body actually feels better. So for, for me, getting into the right size meant um, I had definitely like a decrease in back and shoulder pain. Um, oh, yeah. And then your clothes will look better. Um, so mm-hmm. I find most people I'll, I'll get them into the right bra. And then I say like, let's try this on under your shirt. And they'll say, Oh, my shirt looks better. Like things are just sort of lining up in a way because, because clothes tend to be designed often with the thought that someone is wearing a bra. Um, so there's, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with like breasts sitting lower or like a more relaxed shape and if that's your jam, that's totally fine. But most clothes are expecting your breast to be lifted into a, a higher position. Totally true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, in all the years I've gone to fittings, you know, one of the things you do as a buyer is you actually go to the fittings for the in-house design product that you're buying. And sometimes the model would show up with the wrong kind of bra for what we were doing and be like, oh, go and go put the other bra on, you know, or like, let's change up the bra here. Let's try something unlined. Like the bra is a really important part of the fit. Exactly. And it it can actually make things fit better too, where it might just like, it will feel tight or loose in the wrong places. And then you have the right bra on and it makes sense all of a sudden. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and I have, I have bras that I feel like do, they do different things. Like to me specifically, I feel like they put, they push my boobs into different shapes, right? And certain dresses look better with certain boob shapes that I can mold them yeah, into. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's like, you know, it's all <laughs> yeah, like, it's like true. I have some pointy bras. Like I, I actually personally love a pointy bra. I know that that's controversial. Most people don't like that, but I wear a lot of like <laughs> 40s and 50s vintage and it's nice to have that like lifted pointy shape. It's that's what totally. it was designed for. And then I have other ones that have a more sort of modern round shape. And it, it just depends on 
my mood and my outfit and, you know. Absolutely. I mean, we would be like on our models at Nasty Gal, for example, sometimes we'd be like, go put the push-up bra on. Like we want the boobs at maximum highness for this top, you know, and it does, it does make a difference in how things fit. So I think, I mean, this is just me personally. My advice is that you kind of want a variety of bras if you're a bra person, because different bras do exactly. different Exactly. And there's no bra that can do everything. Like I feel like a lot of people want um, all of the things at once, um, but generally you're going to need different bras to, to do. It's like shoes. So like you don't expect to be able to have shoes that you can run in and also wear with like a fancy dress and feel I don't know, maybe like you wear running shoes with a fancy dress, but it's going to be running shoes with a fancy dress. Like it's, I I find having the different bras like works with different aspects in your life. Like you're not going to have a push-up bra that you can run and jump in and feel comfortably supported. So you're going to need a sports (laughs) bra. No, it's true. It's true. Speaking of shoes, you know, you need to have more than one kind of shoe. Very, very obvious one there. Um, I actually learned that lesson the hard way. This was years ago when I was living in LA. I was, I went directly from work to bar class, and you don't wear shoes in bar class. So I took off my clogs, put them in the locker with my clothes, went and worked out in my special socks. And then I was like, you know, left, and I was like, oh, I'm going to wear, I'll just wear my clogs with my workout clothes to go home, whatever. I'm walking, and I'm like, you know, It'd be fun to just like try to sprint oh, to the no. end of this block. I don't know what I was thinking. I hate running. If running is my least favorite thing of all things, but I was like, maybe I'm gonna be a runner now. I think it was just high on all those exercise endorphins. I ran. My clog got caught in a crack in the sidewalk, and I <gasps> sprained my ankle so badly that I was like hobbling around for like the next three months. So. Basically, what I'm saying there is that, like, the shoes have different purposes, and you should adhere to that as much as possible. And bras are similar, except maybe yeah. you won't get a sprained ankle out of it. But maybe you, you could. could. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? If you're really uncomfortable or wearing the wrong bra, maybe you're driving a car and you're, you're ill-fitting strapless bra is falling down and you're trying to straighten it, and suddenly you, like, get into a fender bender. I don't know. Dangerous everywhere. <laughs> Dangerous everywhere, whether it's shoes or bras. So something that you and I talked about, and I think maybe I told you the story, maybe I didn't, but I remember specifically when I was about 23, I was working at Barnes & Noble, proudly serving Starbucks coffee in the cafe. And I was friends with all the people who worked on the store side, and they would like come over and talk to me. And one guy, I mean, I think he meant to be funny, but it really like hurt me. He was like, Someone with your boobs, boobs your size could never be smart. And I was like, wow, thanks for like really well, – first off, like that comment is not uh-huh. usual. I mean like that's some gross, gross stuff. I should look him up and be mean to him. But anyway, uh, you know, there is this – there is a lot of stigma attached to being busty despite the fact that people literally get surgery to get more busty. It's so complicated. And I was thinking like probably a lot of your customers really feel that stigma. Yeah, it's it's a like there's this weird sort of dichotomy like like the two sides of being like the two bad stereotypes of being busty where it's either like 
the sort of bimbo, like super sexualized version of mm-hmm. being busty. And then there's the like de-sex, like you're, you're a grandma wearing a, a muumuu sort of thing. And <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being super sexy or being a grandma and a muumuu. I love a muumuu. Um, but me too. Wearing there, one right now. There's a lot of like yes. weird emotions around it, especially I think, um, especially w- like when you're young. So at all time, but I think mm-hmm. I think I, I do um, get some some teens <laughs> in for fittings where it's like okay, they're they realized ah. or their mom has realized like they're you know not going to be able to get what they need at Victoria's Secret, and it it's really overwhelming where you know you just want to be a person (laughs) and suddenly you're like put in one of these camps and you're like no I don't want to be like a sexy sex spot and I don't want to be grandma I just like want to be me and I've I found myself personally like fighting that sometimes like I tend to I really like sort of vintagey style and like fitted things and an hourglass thing because that's sort of what my figure tends to look best, quote unquote, in. But I've been sort of exploring where I'm like, maybe I can actually wear like more loose fitting or like a little bit androgynous sort of clothing. And I just because I'm busty doesn't mean I'm not allowed to do those things. But I feel like there's this sort of like, mm. I think it's the like leftover what not to wear conditioning from like <laughs> oh don't get me started don't get me started still want to say dream guest would be stacy london on this podcast so i can ask her i have so many that questions would be incredible. <laughs> i know i probably have to like crowdsource questions because i feel like we all have a lot of a lot of questions um but yeah no i think that's so interesting even what you're talking about with like the androgynous style that is definitely something that I – there were times in my life where I was like, I'm not allowed to yeah. dress this way. We're, you know? And that's so messed up. It's, it's also, like, weirdly, like, removed from coolness, if this makes sense. I'm like, is this just my neuroses talking? But where I feel like when when they do sort of, like, fashion editorials or, like, just, like – photographs of cool people you're you're not allowed to like it's always this sort of like waifish situation and ah oh, don't and, get me started and it was just yeah. and again this might be like my hangover of like growing up <laughs> during like heroin chic <laughs> where i, I think mm-hmm. it just did a number on my brain but yeah it's being busty is just wrapped up in so many so many emotions <laughs> It is. It is. So I have, I have to ask you a question. Have you ever watched Rock of Love? I have not. Okay. So it's a VH1 reality series from like 2007, I want to say. They did three seasons. It's all these women competing. It's like a bachelor kind of model where they're competing to be the girlfriend of Brett Michaels. Oh, yes. Of okay. Poison. So we've been rewatching it recently. I have no idea how Dustin and I fell into this, but it is available. I want to say 
We were watching it on Hulu or something like that. Netflix, I'm not really sure. So we've been watching it. I'd seen it when it was out originally, like peripherally here and there. And it's it's a show where boobs are very <laughs> important. And everybody has big boobs, whether they are implants or not, or natural. But it's like the most <laughs> boob positive show I've ever watched. Even though the rest of it is like it does not there it's very offensive. There are a lot of the way women talk to one another on there, men talk to women on there is pretty messed up and very of that time. It is the most boob positivity I've seen in a really long time. I I am going to give it a watch because that that's right up my alley. Boob boob positivity. Please do. I I was like, Dustin, do we need to start a podcast that just dissects the three seasons of Rock of Love because it's really, really fascinating and like because it feels like such a time capsule of a time when I mean, it was hard to be a woman in the entire last century for sure, but in the first 10 years of this century, being a young woman was particularly yeah. heinous. Yeah, it was weird. Right? <laughs> and it was weird. And this show reflects that. I mean, we look back. Finally, people are looking back and saying, hey, we treated Britney Spears really poorly. We treated Lindsay Lohan really poorly. We treated Paris Hilton really poorly. Like, they're starting to be reckoning of that. Although I still catch people acting that way towards others and celebrities and influencers stuff on social media all the time. But like, I feel like more and more people are like, you, you can't call a woman a slut. Okay. Like you just can't, you know, like that kind of stuff. But like in this show, they have no problem calling each other that, like being called that, like it's really, it's a time capsule of a really bad time that I never want to come back. But the boob positivity is incredible. Uh, so, but it's it's weird because boobs like it goes in and out of fashion. Where like sometimes it's so, which is so weird. You'll like read an editorial where it's like boobs are back. And you're like they, they were always here. Oh my god! Oh, this thing that's been on my body my whole life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you know, like the Kardashian shape has been in for quite a while. People have been getting that surgery. It's called like a BBL, I believe. I know too much about this, and I only know a tiny bit. Um, and now I was reading somewhere like a week or two ago that was like, oh, BBL's over. And I was like, whoa, all those people who got butt implants, which sounds like a yeah. very serious surgery to me. Now what are they going to yeah. do with their big butts? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and and – it all comes together. There is someone from season three of Rock of Love who has had really extreme BBL surgery. I see, I looked her up on Instagram and like, it's, I'm like, wow, like she had parts added all over the place. Um, it's, it's so messed up. I feel like we never say like, oh, men like this are yeah. in trend right now. Men's bodies like that are out of style. But with women, it's like boobs are in. Now they're out. Big butts are here. Now they're out. Everybody should be skinny. You know, like all it's yeah. I mean, it's a patriarchy, guys, you know, <laughs> but it's messed up, messed up for sure. And I feel like breasts and bras and everything associated with femininity are just it yeah. you just can't I, win. I made it, you know, <laughs> Once just sort of wandering around the store, I just said to myself, there are so many ways to be a woman, and all of them are wrong. <laughs> it's just like, no matter oh. what you're doing, it feels like you're doing it wrong. <laughs> um. 
It's true. It's true. I, I, I have felt that. I mean, I still feel yeah. that as a grown woman, you know. I remember going back to when I was working for Nasty Gal specifically, being in a fitting, and we were fitting a bustier, which, to be honest, we had no business doing this because no one knew what they were doing. But the fit tech, who I'm sure was very skilled, was saying, you know, hey, uh, they, you know, we're having some weird stuff with like the peak on the cup and as it sizes up, it's not hitting in the right place. And the head of design was there and she said, well, that's okay because we don't want to make tops that will fit anything over a size C from now on because it's just not aesthetically pleasing. And I was like sitting there with my D boobs feeling like I should skulk out. And also I, I afterwards went to a friend of mine who worked there and I said, you know, you're not going to believe what I just heard, but apparently we're not, going above size C because it's not aesthetically pleasing according to the CEO and we were like we had done some not we specifically but the company had done some sort of research like a year ago that had basically said a big portion of their customers specifically had (laughs) breast implants and I was like no one goes to the doctor and says put some C's on there it's always D's what are we doing? Why are we so dumb? Most of those quote unquote <laughs> D's are actually G's. Um, just, just to be the. <laughs> wow. No, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Like once it's just su- such foolishness and, and just people or constructs around every corner that will make you feel bad about these just two things that are yeah. on your chest with you every day. No big deal. So you as a bra fitter, you're probably changing some lives. You're probably telling people some numbers or letters they don't want to hear. But what what do you love about oh, it? Oh, I love so many things. Um, <laughs> I love I love the like one what it's done for myself. So to to be selfish here in that like being able to see so many different bodies is and like usually half naked bodies is, is really kind of remarkable in that it, it, it allows you to like yeah. sort of rethink your own body because when I'm working with someone like, yes, I'm judging the fit of the bra, but I am not judging their body. And so I'm coming just sort of at this neutral space where it, do, it doesn't have to be like, a, mm-hmm. it's great if it's a celebration body positivity, but it's just this sort of neutrality and being like, this is just, this is a type of body that this person has. This is a different type of body. And it's made me have a kinder eye at my own self where I'm like, okay, so when you're looking at all of these people, you're not judging them as monsters or like wrong. You're just saying, these are different types of bodies and they're all great. <laughs> and why can't I do that for myself? So I, I feel right. um, like I've, I still have, you know, we live in the world and there's days of bad self-esteem, but generally I feel pretty awesome about my body and I think I'm a babe and I look great <laughs> and it's nice. It's nice to feel that. <laughs> like, and I really think that it's, mm-hmm. I really think it's bra fitting. Like a lot of the people, um, when I was working as a bra fitter in the past who I worked with, like it just kind of gets into your head where you're like, Oh yeah. Like I've just got a body and like, that's okay. (laughs) I look good. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of us need that because I mean, it's something I think about all the time. Like 
someday I'm going to be very old and I'm going to be nostalgic for the way it felt to be young and when my body was young and more capable. And I don't want to think to myself, and I spent all that time hating my body. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And not, it's it's really lovely, like trying to get that same feeling from the customers who come into the store. So at the end of the day, if someone just leaves and they get a bra, that's fine. It doesn't have to be like a transformative experience. So, <laughs> <laughs> because it's still great but, and it's an important thing it's, it's kind to get of a bra, right? We'll have, especially someone who's shopped here like multiple times where they might start out like a little bit more reserved or they might just sort of like be more nitpicky about like, oh, this is cutting into my back fat. And then a little while later, they'll come back and they're like, hey, like, I want to, I want to try on that like sexy black bra and they'll like come out of the fitting room and say, look at this, it looks great. And it's so nice to see that, that change where it's like, oh no, I look great. I feel great. Uh, look at me. <laughs> and that's what I want for everyone. <laughs> if they can I love have that. It. <laughs> yeah. It's a magical feeling, you know? Something most of you might not know about me is that I actually studied painting in college. How I ended up in fashion is a whole other, much longer story. For me, there's nothing more relaxing and enjoyable than cozying up to some canvas or some really nice watercolor paper with a brush and paint. For me, the act of painting is almost meditative. I always feel fresh and ready to conquer anything when I finish. And my favorite subject matter, just on a personal level, is painting portraits of other people. In fact, I would say my number one artistic influence is 20th century portrait artist Alice Neal. Go check her out. Her sons made an incredible documentary about her. It makes me cry every time I watch it. Five stars. Whether your style is more Alice Neal, Jackson Pollock, or that raccoon on Instagram that paints, you know who I'm talking about. There is something so magical about taking some time to yourself to move paint around with a brush. But you know what's not magical? Tracking down those supplies. It feels like such a super unfun errand. And half the time, you can't find what you're looking for because these days, art supply stores are a disappearing breed. Fortunately, proud close horse sponsor Let's Make Art makes it easy with amazing products and tutorials for you so you can focus on the good part learning and making art. Let's Make Art is a revolutionary crafting company that aims to help everyone channel their inner artist, whether they're three, 63, or 103, by delivering great art supplies and kits directly to your front door. You don't have to spend four years at art school to enjoy painting, but I know that getting started can be intimidating. What kind of brushes should you buy? Never mind paper, pens, paints, and so on. The first time I walked into an art supply store, I was simultaneously excited and really freaked out. What if I chose the wrong thing? What if I embarrassed myself at the checkout by trying to mix acrylics and oils? Would the salespeople laugh at me after I walked out of the store? Mortifying. Fortunately, Let's Make Art offers a monthly art box that includes supplies and tutorials, including free lessons from in-house artists. That helps you make some magic of your own with paint. 
And if you're already a great master, Let's Make Art has plenty to offer you too with a well-curated assortment of paints, brushes, and other supplies. I'm an oil painter first, but my other two favorite media are gouache and ink, and Let's Make Art has a great selection of those along with watercolor, acrylic, watercolor pencils, another personal favorite, and so much more. If you're feeling stuck about what to paint, happens to all of us, Let's Make Art has got you covered with an assortment of pre-assembled kits for painting landscapes, animals, and just generally beautiful things. They also, these kits, they make great gifts. What else? Let's Make Art offers supplies, kits, and tutorials for watercolor painting, lettering, all kinds of other things, including kits for kids ages 5 to 11. There's nothing better than watching them use their own imagination and feel the joy of creating something of their very own. It's a pretty great gift as well. Let's make art simple together. Check out Let's Make Art today by going to my special link, zen.ai slash clotheshorse. I'll be sharing that in the show notes, of course. That's zen.ai slash clotheshorse to get 20% off. The coupon code is activated at checkout. So we're going to talk now about how to find the right bra for you. This is like really important, right? First off, I just wanted to start with like, the controversy, the age-old controversy of to wear a bra or not um. to wear a bra. <laughs> My stance on it is like, just do what you want, right? Um, w- do you have any arguments for or against wearing a bra? Um, I, I'm, again, in the do what you want camp. Um, <laughs> whatever feels good. Yeah, whatever feels and good, right? I'm also in the, like, bras were created not as some sort of oppressive force they they can't they can be tied up right in oppressive forces but it's because for a lot of people with breasts having the weight lifted and supported is more comfortable one just for your shoulders and back but also like breasts can get hot and sweaty so i'll have people who will come in and they have either not been wearing a bra or wearing a bra that doesn't fit and they'll say I've got this weird rash under my boobs. Yeah, it's because you've got this like skin on oh, skin. Oh, that contact. sounds terrible. So, yeah, if, if you that feel bad. best without a bra, then do that. <laughs> but if if wearing a bra is making can possibly make you feel more comfortable, then then I think it's then go ahead and wear a bra. <laughs> Totally. You know, I will say I just moved to Texas a few months ago and it's very humid here already. I mean, it's like April 13th when we're recording this and it was like 91 degrees today and swampy. And I'm going to tell you, my bra is feeling a little less comfortable. And I was wondering, like, do you have any advice there? Like, should I should I be like powdering up or something? Powder can work. There's these like I think they're called Wickhams. <laughs> and they're, they're little like liners that you can put in your bra that I, I haven't tried them myself, but I've heard people talking about them that just like absorb sweat. And then mm. uh, materials. So a moisture wicking breathable material is always good. And then also fit. So often I'll have people who have Again, the issues with like sweat and discomfort and it's maybe because the bra isn't sitting quite right on their bodies. So 
it's it's either mm-hmm. moving around and chafing or um, the wires are sitting too low so uh, your breasts are sort of pressed together or sitting on on your rib cage in a way that can be a little more sweaty in the heat um, so sorry to go back to bra fitting but it might be bra fitting <laughs> yeah no I could see it I think for me it's just like I I'm sweaty yeah and then then also it's just sometimes when it's hot and sweaty it's just hot and sweaty and it's just gross <laughs> but but yeah like real talk if I had for me personally to choose between wearing a bra and feeling sweaty and gross or not wearing a bra and also still being sweating and gross I'm gonna pick wearing a bra for me personally it's just gonna be more comfortable for me um, okay, so let's talk about fitting. Yes. Um, if someone, I mean, the ideal situation is they come to someone like you who's an expert and they get measured. But let's say they don't have that luxury or they don't feel comfortable having someone else do that because it's it's a very special, intimate situation. Agreed. And I try to make it as sort of comfortable as it can. Sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent <laughs> Okay, okay, go on it. Tell me tell me the tangent. I just want to talk about bra fitting because I think it's something that is also really important. So in terms of the skill as the working with people skill of bra fitting in that Oh my god, I bet. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, it's really it's really emotional and it's mm-hmm. really vulnerable and I feel like when people are learning to become a bra fitter, there should be more training on consent. So asking mm-hmm. if you can touch people, mm-hmm. asking if you can open a door. Like I have had, I've heard so many horror stories of people just like barging into a room or like uh. reaching into a bra and adjusting a breast. Like that should not be happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard similar stories actually. Yeah. And that is like, for me, that, I'm sorry, that's like really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. And so you need to, you need to ask, you need to explain what's going on. So I will say, can I feel the band of the bra and adjust the straps? So mm-hmm. people know what is going to happen rather than can I adjust the bra? Because no one knows exactly what that's going to entail. I had someone say once in a bra fitting, when I went for a bra fitting, can I adjust the bra? And then they reached into my bra and moved my breasts. <laughs> and that was That's a shock. a lot. So they asked, yeah. but they didn't actually explain what was going to happen. And some people would be okay with that. Some people would say, I don't care. Like, you can rearrange my breasts. But I think people should know what they're opting into. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the other thing is, like, unfortunately, like, there's a lot of being a weird jerk. Like I get a lot of people coming in with horror stories where they went to get a bra fitting and they were like made fun of or talked down to for being a certain size or said like, Oh, you just Mm. need to lose weight or just, just being a real jerk. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. All of these classics. And then finally, sorry, I'm on a rant. Um, is that not everyone who is wearing a bra is a straight woman so there's a lot of the like this is for the ladies for the girls ladies girls and like for your boyfriend it's maybe maybe you're not a woman maybe you're not like dating a man like maybe you don't have a partner at all and there's all of this weird like this bra is going to make you look 
10 pounds slimmer, 10 years younger, and your husband's going to love you. <laughs> well, and I think that's that brings up a whole tangent right there, which is like this assumption, and it goes back to, I think, how we regard bras as a whole, that the bra, you don't wear it for yourself. It's for someone else, whether it's to not appall others with the movement of your breasts or to titillate someone, no pun intended, down the road, right? It's, I mean, I think it all starts with saying, like, hey, you wear a bra for you. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it should be. And, and that comes to something as simple as, like, talking about the, like, how many bras should you have? Like, I will have people who say, well, I guess I need to get a beige bra because you should have a beige bra. And then I'll ask, like, do you, do you wear a clothes that would make a beige bra useful like do you do you wear a lot of white or pastel colors right. no i wear nothing but black <laughs> then what i mean listen i just recently bought my first ever beige bra i put i held off for a very long time as a person who primarily wears dark colors doesn't really care if anyone sees my black bra underneath but finally i was like oh i finally have a purpose in my life for a beige bra <laughs> It took me a really long time, decades of bra wearing to get there. It's, it's we like, unfortunately, beige bras are rarely, I find them aesthetically pleasing because I'm, I'm too far gone in bra world. So I've gone around to like the <laughs> other side where like, at first I was like, oh, black and color, like suddenly a whole world of lingerie is open to me and now I'm back to beige and I'm like beige is kind of subversive like I like this it's I'm like a weird nana and I find this this cool um but most of the time it's not very beautiful also side salad (laughs) um the beige bra is another issue in the lingerie world is that for so long it was only beige bras and that was called nude and if you were not beige I know (laughs) I know like out of luck Many people are not actually beige colored. Yeah. It's not a very, it's a color that only matches a small cross section of people. Yeah. Um, when I was a teenager, my mom told me, and I to this day don't know if this was intentional to sabotage me or something she heartfeltly believed, but she told me, yes, beige bras. She probably said nude. No, I feel like my mom would never say nude. She would say beige. She was like, beige bras drive men wild. Really? Men think that beige bras are the sexiest of all bras. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's so weird because I grew up being obsessed with Madonna. And I was like, it's weird that Madonna never wears a beige bra for anything. Like, and if if it was so sexy, wouldn't wouldn't she be like – on like, you know, the MTV Video Music Awards in a beige bra. Uh, it made me, sus- it made me question <laughs> I really, the veracity I really of like my mom's also statement. I love bulky ski jackets. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, sweatpants <laughs> with a mustard stain, their favorite. Um, and I mean, of course, my mom coming from this classic perspective that if we're going to pick a bra, it should be one that drives men <laughs> wild, whether they do in fact or not. There's an erroneous thinking there anyway. But I remember finally my my first male partner, you know, I'm like in my 20s. I was like, hey, so like, what do you think about beige bras? Oh, no. And he was like, what? Why? What kind of question is that? I'm like, do you think they're really sexy? And he was like, no, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the color of an ace bandage. 
I, I love this. No, I love to like imagining your mom like coming up with this plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like to this day, I'm like re- reconciling it where I'm like, are there men out there? I mean, who cares? But like, well, there probably you know, are. I asked my, there's, there, I mean, there's there's something exactly. for everything, right? <laughs> there's that one there person are, who's like just waiting. <laughs> yeah, there's that person out there who's like, oh, I love a sports bra that's super pilly and smells bad. Yeah, you know, like there's some. I mean, we've all everybody's got a thing, right? But anyway, the beige bra for me, uh, I because I guess I don't care about driving men wild. Was just one of those things that I would hear from people too all the time. You have to have a beige bra, blah, blah, blah. And fortunately, I was always too broke to have any bra that was not immediately going to have boobs in it. Because, like, bras, I could only buy bras that would 100% be worn. But this was, like, a thing that would come up. Like, the, you know, some of the older women in my life, like my grandma, my mom, my stepmother, who would be like, you know, if you were wearing a beige bra with this, it would look a lot better. As you could see my black bra through my pink dress or whatever. Um, I... I think I came of age in an era, thanks to, you know, all all of the revolutionary work by Madonna, where showing your bra was a good thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It was sexy. Yeah, it was sexy and cool. Yeah. I remember there was this woman in my neighborhood uh, who always, this was when I was like maybe 21, 22, who would always wear a red bra with a white sheer tank top. And I would always like be like, that is... My hope is that someday I can be as sexy as her, you know, (laughs) putting on your like dream board. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No beige bras there. Let me tell you. Um, But I do like I do think that we have all these like I mean, we have all kinds of dumb rules about everything and bras are no exception where it's like, oh, you got to have a white bra and a beige bra and maybe a black bra and everything needs to match your underwear and blah, blah, blah. You got to have a strapless bra for that. Then those convertible bras that I've never been able to get to work properly for me. I mean, it's just like all all this stuff that we're being sold. Yeah. I, you know, it's it. And yeah, we are. We are being sold. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. So. How many bras do you think a person needs? An average person. I'd say an average person, three or four is a good sort of baseline. So that... And and do they wash them every time they wear them? No, but washing regularly. So that will actually mean your bra lasts longer um, and feels better. Um, so if you can wash, like I usually say, like every one to three wears, so... It depends on the day. So if it's like the sweatiest day in August, then maybe wash your bra. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll agree on but that if, one. Sometimes you just need a fresh but bra. But sometimes you can wear you it like know? a few times in a row and it's not going to be a big deal. If you can wait in between wearing, so sort of wear one bra, wear another bra, and then come back to the first one so it has a chance to sort of like air out and relax and sort of return to its <laughs> – not relax, but um, – go back to its form. Um, Otherwise it will sort of stretch out a little faster. Um, But it's our sweat body oils that start to like break down materials. So I will find Mm -hmm. some people um, kind of think of like really fancy jeans where you're not supposed to wash them at all. Um, But if you do that with a bra, it's just going to fall apart. And it's also just going to be gross because it's like 
at a sweatier part of your body. So, so if you can, <laughs> yeah. like, again, don't overwash, but like washing regularly. And if you can hand wash, which I know is so annoying, um, it's best. Um, it's really like, uh, this is not to like plug a product, but there's a great product called soak <laughs> and it's a hand washing okay. detergent. And I really like it one cause it's, it's from Toronto and it's a small business. And I'm like, Oh, woo-hoo. um, but it, you don't need to scrub or rinse. So you just let it soak for 15, 20 minutes and then you press out the water and then you hang to dry. And for some reason, skipping that step of like rinsing and scrubbing is all I need for this to be a feasible like step in my life uh, to actually hand wash. But also we live in the real world and, you know, if you're juggling a lot of things and you know you can't hand wash, if you could at least put it in a garment bag so it doesn't get like Mm – tangled up in your jeans totally yeah yeah or like man i've had some situations involving straps being this is before i switched to hand washing i learned this lesson the hard way where you take everything out of the washer and the strap is wrapped around a pair of pants like 37 times and it's never the same it's never the same you could even so i had uh i remember once someone came in because their wire came out in the wash because Basically what happens, I'm going to get nerdy. Um, So with the wire at the end, it has like a little like plastic um, melted uh, cap to like blunt the the rough metal edge. Uh, And in the washing machine, because it's knocking against the side of the metal washing machine, it starts to chip away that um, coating. And then you have like Mm -hmm. sharp metal, which can then poke through and... The bad news is if it pokes you, but even the worst news is if it gets into your washing machine and then breaks your washing machine, which is oh, <laughs> really expensive. I hadn't even thought of that. And it doesn't happen all the time, uh, but it happens to someone once and forever after. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that could happen to you. So at least put it in a hosiery bag. So if the wire gets out, it's not going to cost you like yeah, Thousands that's of dollars. terrible. <laughs> I started using a bag a long time ago because, you know, we had a situation in our apartment where the washing machine was broken. Um, the guy came to fix it. He pulled out like 10 pairs of my underwear out of like the hose. I was wearing, this is before I was into like a big full coverage, high waisted situation. <laughs> um, so these were very small underwear. Uh, and I don't know how I rode a bike in those. That's a whole other question. But that was so embarrassing because the guy was such a creep that I was like, this will never happen again. I will bag these underwear up. Um, You know, important life lessons. It does extend the life of them. And I, you know, something, another question that I get a lot is like, where can I get sustainable bras? Which bras are the least or the most sustainable or the least? And, my advice every time, which I'm guessing you're going to agree with, is a bra that fits you that you take care of that you're going to wear for a yeah, long time. It's like most bras by like nature of what they're trying to do are using synthetics. Um, and mm-hmm. it's it's not just because they're cheaper. It's because they do things that people want in a bra. So you can have stretch. Mm-hmm. You can have like a material that you can heat mold into like a seamless cup. So all of those things that we want from bras nowadays, 
um, are possible because of synthetics. So if you're going to buy that synthetic bra, even if it's like they start, I'm starting to see some like recycled synthetics. Um, but at least if you can get something that you can take care of and wear and have for a long time. And then if you change size, um, this is something I, I was just thinking about before this interview is like having resources for people to like switch bras <laughs> because like yeah. I've seen some Facebook groups and like, there's like Poshmark for selling bras, but like a lot of the time, Sometimes your size changes and you're like, oh, well, I fluctuate. Maybe I'll go back. But sometimes you're like, this is never going to happen again. Like these, I have, I have a bag of bras from my twenties that I was keeping for sentimental reasons because I am weird. And I'm like, oh, I remember this Freya design from 20, <laughs> 2010 and no, no, 2010. I wasn't even my twenties then. Anyway. Um, but like, I wish I could like match them up to people where I'm like, these are still good bras. They don't fit me. Mm-hmm. Someone else can take them. Um, so I, I hope someone one day makes like a bra swap app <laughs> where you can like. Seriously, I love that idea because it's true. Your bra size yeah. changes. That's exactly. That. And like sometimes it will go back. So I have bras in like different sizes where I'm like, I know sometimes I sort of fluctuate in my weight and I can fluctuate throughout the month. So sometimes having one where it's like, okay, I go up a cup size. Let's just keep this around. But yeah, sometimes Mm -hmm. your body just changes and and that's it. (laughs) Totally, totally. So what are some signs that you're wearing a bra that's not the right size for you? I will tell you many signs. Um, So double boob (laughs) is... Oh, I've... Guys... I've experienced the double boob. It's no, yeah. it's no good. So if you're <laughs> spilling out of the cups, usually that's because the cups are too small, which sounds obvious, but I find a lot of people will say, oh, it's because the cup is like too low cut or because it's a bad bra. No, it's usually the cups are too small or maybe the wrong shape for you. Mm-hmm. Um, wires digging into your body at the side. So if you feel like your wire is poking the side of your breasts, it's again either too small or the wrong shape for you. If mm, that's a good call yeah. out too. Sometimes it is yeah. the shape. And that that's again like the complicated thing. So if you <laughs> if you want to go into a rabbit hole of bras and bodies, um and you don't have to live there if it's too much for you, you can say, I, I will turn away. But there's a Reddit called a bra that fits and they have a bra sizing calculator, but then there's just a whole bunch of nerds there. And I say that with love who talk about like bras and body <laughs> shapes. So you can get really granular. So I will talk about like different breast shapes. So a more projected breast shape where more of your volume is going forward or a more shallow breast shape where it's spread over a wider part of your body, which it's helpful for me as a bra fitter to know this because if I put someone in the the right size but the wrong shape it will still feel like garbage and not fit well so you have to Mm -hmm. sort of match it up same thing with bodies so um i have like a really short distance between my shoulder and like my the top of my bust and so that means a lot of wires are just too tall and will poke me in the armpit even if they're the right size so it's finding like the bra that's the right size but also made to match my body shape as best as it can. Wow. I mean, that is, 
that's a, this stuff is complicated. It, it's complicated. So <laughs> I, you asked me before, <laughs> how should a bra fit? And I did not give you an answer. So I will tell you that. So, so this is the sort of ideal. Um, so I'm going to start with the wires if you're wearing a wire bra. So the wires should be sitting flat against your breastbone between your breasts. So if they are floating away and, you know, sort of either making like a little unicorn horn in your shirt or like enough space that you could put, I don't know, several pens in there, um, then it's probably too small in the cup. Um, so having those wires flat to your, your chest basically sort of braces the bra to your, your body and allows more lift and support. So if they're floating away, the bra sort of turns into a hammock <laughs> and you'll get more swing if mm-hmm. you can kind of imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, <laughs> you also want to make sure it's fully encompassing all of the breast tissue at the side. So again, that wire should be sitting at the side on rib cage, not on breast tissue. So I'll have people who will mm-hmm. say, this bra is so uncomfortable. I hate it. And then I look at the bra and the bra, the wire is like sitting on their boob, which is, is not going to be comfortable. And obviously you hate it. So fully outside of your breast tissue and then sitting flat um, and sort of as much in the crease as possible against your rib cage. So again, I'll see these sort of, especially in fuller sizes, floating bras where the bra is just sort of sitting on top. The cups are sitting on top of the breasts, but the wires are also sitting on top of the breasts. Oh, that sounds so uncomfortable. uncomfortable And it's also not like able to do the job of a bra. Yeah. Job. Yeah. The band should be snug enough to hold the bra in place. So basically if you're sitting and looking like looking at yourself in the mirror and you turn to the side, the bra should be sitting straight across your body. So if it's like arcing up in a rainbow rainbow on your back or like going up on an angle, that's usually a sign that it's too big. Um, and the reason you want it s- snug enough to stay in place is otherwise all of the weight goes on your straps and on your shoulders. And having the band mm-hmm. snug sort of anchors everything. And then finally, in the cups, you don't want to be spilling out. Like if you're spilling out or if there's extra room, then the cups are probably not the right size for you. But at the end of the day, all of this is flexible. So when you're looking for a bra, you're balancing all of these technical points of like, okay, so I want the wires like sitting flat to my rib cage and like outside of my breast (laughs) tissue and the the band is snug and the cups aren't uh, overflowing or with space, but this bra still feels like garbage, (laughs) then that bra is not the right bra for Uh. you. So if you are buying a bra that is not technically the right size or technically the right fit, but feels good, then that is the right size for you (laughs) because what matters is what it actually feels like on your body and how it makes you feel. So I don't think anyone should be in horrible pain, but sometimes we buy things that don't feel perfect, but make us feel good. And we're willing to sacrifice Mm -hmm. where we say, you know what, this isn't the most comfortable bra, but it's not uncomfortable but I like it because it makes me feel good about myself because it's pretty because it's whatever. And the, the bra fitter tried to get me to try on this other one, but it makes me feel sad and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that is an amazing call out. You know, you told me when we were talking the last time, like some people want a band that's Mm -hmm. too tight. 
that's what feels right for them. And I and I was like, you know what, that's really interesting because I think ultimately no matter what, the most important person in this bra picking out occasion, equation, I guess, is yeah. you. The person who's going to wear this bra. So do what feels right for you, not what someone else tells you you should feel exactly. best wearing. And that's like a tip, hot tip, if you're bra shopping and you decide you want to go somewhere where there's a bra fair, <laughs> they should be listening to what yeah. you say and what you want. And like, they're there because they have all of that product knowledge. They have that like expertise. But at the end of the day, you're the boss of your own body and you get to decide like what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's so important. You're the one who's going to wear this bra. And that's another step to ensuring that you're wearing a bra, buying a bra, that you're going to wear a lot and care for and want to care for, which is the most sustainable decision you can make mm-hmm. when it comes to a bra. Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Clothes Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. 
Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Karen Kinney Studio. Located in western Massachusetts, Karen specializes in handcrafted earrings from found, upcycled, and repurposed fabrics, as well as other eco-friendly curios, all with a hint of nostalgia, a dollop of whimsy, a dash of color, and 100% fun. Karen is an artist slash designer who believes the materials we use matter. See more on Instagram at Karen Kinney Studio or online at www.cKinney.com. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. So we talked about all the ways in which you could identify a bra, maybe not being the right size for you. Do you have suggestions like in terms of places you think are the most consistent with sizing or offer the best range of sizing places where you would buy a bra? Outside of your store, obviously, number one, <laughs> number one bra destination. But after that, thank you, thank you. Um, well, a- another thing, <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> That's just like the story of my life. It's always and another thing is learning like what bra industry terms mean. So sort of understanding that there's different mm, classifications yeah. and sizing, and they they shouldn't be loaded. But there is like emotional whatnot that comes with this. So the core sizing in lingerie tends to be 32 to 38, A to D. And that's what you see most of the time. So if you're going to go to a store, Mm -hmm. that's usually your bare bones sizes. And a lot of the like less cheaper brands, fast fashion brands, like it's easier to make less it's easier to make less. Like if you're making fewer sizes and not doing the engineering and like cost of like doing a huge range, it's, it's going to cost less money. So that's what you get. Um, so core sizing Mm -hmm. and then there's full bust, which is anything above a double D. Um, and then there's plus size, Mm -hmm. which again, usually in the bra world means, um, above a 38 band. So for most people, um, 
you kind of have to know where you're at because not every store carries everything for you. So this is the thing that makes me mad about so many bra shops or bra brands is they'll do this like beautiful, inclusive, like we're here for everybody. And then no, they don't uh. carry your size. <laughs> so what are you supposed to do? Um, but on the like bigger places to go, like Nordstrom tends to have a good range of sizes um, and a good range of brands. And I have heard that their bra fitters are pretty helpful. So if you have a Nordstrom, I've heard the same. If you're in the yeah. UK or US, uh, Bravissimo is a full bus specialty store. Um, if you are smaller busted, I've heard airy bras are just really comfortable and great. And so if you can get an airy bra and mm-hmm. it feels good, yay. Um, online stores like Her Room and Bare Necessities. Um, but then if you can, like independent stores are always, always great because then you're supporting like a small business and a, and a person often in your community. And that can be like a, a brick, and, brick and mortar store like mine, but there's also online shops like, um, oh, dang, they don't exist. There used to be a fantastic online shop called Blue Stockings that was like a uh, LGBTQ like focused lingerie boutique. And they are no longer, but looking for those like cool little niches where you can say like in, in Toronto, we have a store called Gigi's House of Frills, which I love that name. And she specializes <laughs> in uh, vintage and reproduc- reproduction vintage lingerie. So if you are someone who likes that world, okay. like that is heaven for you. But it really depends on like what your size is, what your budget is, where you're living, um, your personal preferences, your mm-hmm. your personal ethics, um, how much help you need. Like there are some people who are going to go on the a bra that fits red and be like, yes, I love this. This is great. I'm going to like basically like take a university course and learning my bra size. And for other people, that is torture. <laughs> they say, no, thank you. I just want someone to go and take a bra from the back room and it will fit magically and then I will leave and that's it. I don't have time for that. <laughs> so it's knowing where right, you're at. Right. Um, and if you can find them also secondhand. So like some of those, uh, there's some Facebook groups, I think like I'm in one where it's like busty clothes and bras swap and sell or something like that. Um or Poshmark, like a lot of people are just selling gently used bras on Poshmark. So if you happen to know like a brand and a size that fits you. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, but I feel like a lot of us do get really loyal to a bra, a bra brand, you know, even a specific mo- model, if you will, of bra from that brand, because it's reliable. Yeah. I And I, I do the same thing. Like my... One of my personal favorite bras is a Lomi Morgan. <laughs> and I will just <laughs> always buy an a Lomi Morgan. And I have a few of those kicking around. But like different. So the thing back to sizing is mm-hmm. it depends on the brand. And it oh, depends totally. on the style. Totally. And that's actually a good thing. So it's really frustrating mm-hmm. as a layperson because you just want to say, like, I want a standardized world where this is how this fits. But if there was a standardized world where all, you know, 36 Cs fit the same, 
if you were slightly outside of that like model of what a 36C should fit like, then you're screwed. So it's actually mm-hmm. helpful to have a world where some C's are slightly bigger in the cup or slightly bigger in the band because most people are not exactly one size and it allows you mm-hmm. to find something that is a little bit more tailored to your body because we're not buying tailored clothing. We're just, we're not getting things that are made especially for us. So instead finding something that works for you. So for me, I have discovered a world of Polish bras. Polish lingerie for mm. some reason seems to be something that fits my particular figure really well. And so now I know like not always, but certain brands like Eva Mahalik is this genius independent designer and she makes this range from like A to O. Um, and she's just working like with a little workshop in Poland, making these beautiful bras for, you know, this is actually one of the people. So there's so many bra companies. It makes me mad where they say we have the biggest size selection of all time. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're a lying uh. liar. Eva Mahalik does. <laughs> so she does from a 28 to like 50 something. And then from an A to, I don't know, something like an O, like she is actually doing the thing, but because she is a smaller company and because she, uh, because it's Polish (laughs) and, and because there isn't a huge advertising campaign, most people don't know Mm -hmm. about these small brands and yeah. I got totally off topic rambling about Polish bras. <laughs> no, I think, and I, I love that you called it out that a lot of these brands, I mean, it's just like we talk about greenwashing all the time here on the podcast. A lot of people are sort of boob washing where they're like, yeah, we have all the sizes of bras coming by from us. We're so inclusive. And you go look up a site and they really don't, or they have one bra yeah. in larger sizes. And I mean, listen, Bra size diversity is challenging, but don't make claims that you can't deliver. I hate that. Imagine hearing this big brand that you know so many people are buying bras from or you've heard advertised on a podcast has bras for everyone and you go and your size isn't there. How does that make you feel? Exactly. Yeah. It's terrible. Again, it's like, terrible. I, I guess I'm not a person. I guess I don't exist. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, you know... My experience working on the fast fashion side for all these years is that, you know, at some point, uh, a lot of these fast fashion retailers realized, and just the industry as a whole, that there was a lot of money to be made in intimates because they'd already, like, made all the clothes, right? And, you know, they were as cheap as possible, as fast as possible. And there was a turning point where it was like, okay, there are two more things that we should buy into because we need to make more money, right? We've hit a ceiling. One is intimates. The other is beauty. And these are two just so highly specialized areas that no one should just be like, no, I do this, you know, without years of research and development. And so then the world got filled with even crappier bras or bras that were super cheap or bra subscriptions. One of my one of my family members, I will not name them. I don't think she's doing this anymore, but she was doing one of those subscription services where she was getting like three bras every month. And I can going to tell you, they didn't fit her. It was really obvious. And you can never turn it off. That's like with those weird subscription oh, things. You're like, that's, I didn't yeah. realize that. And you're suddenly like, how do I cancel this? 
Yeah, I went down a weird rabbit hole early in the pandemic when I had a lot of time on my hands to just read things on Reddit and then follow the threads the whole way across the internet. And there's that um, Rihanna, Fenty by Rihanna subscription service where I think you get bras and underwear. And apparently it's impossible to quit. Like they just, it's like impossible. Yeah. It's, and they just keep showing up at your house. But it's it's we, like, <laughs> like the Navy is going to come and get me. <laughs> the, the, the Rihanna stance. Like, I know. But she, like she's doing some really fantastic stuff with this lingerie line. Like I love to see the diversity in body types and shapes and sizes. And, and that's really fantastic. But there's also a bunch of money behind this and a mm-hmm. lot of brilliant advertising. So again, we've got that same story where it's like bras for all bodies, all sizes. She doesn't make my size. And right, my right. size from my knowledge of the bra industry is actually not that weird. It's not unusual. It's a pretty like, yes, it's a full bust size, but in full bust sizing, pretty normal. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like there's so many companies who have really a great story. So it's this beautiful story. And right now the story is like, we're good people. And, and it's, I think being good is, is important, but sometimes that being good is just like a a story. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah. And that makes me kind of sad where it's like, there's this, uh, bra company that has like a beautiful ad campaign of like these, like not too airbrushed, like barely look retouched. I'm sure there's retouching because there always is. Um, models of all shapes and sizes and ages. And a lot of people during the pandemic, because they make wire-free bras, bought these bras. And then they would come to my store and say, I got this bra and it didn't fit. <laughs> and I need something else. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's... yep. I think that the bras that they make are good for a certain size range so that I, I'm not saying, Oh, they're making bad bras, but I think that they are really designed for someone who is maybe up to a double D cup, but because they have this wonderful ad campaign and they say for all sizes, even busty people. So people in my size range would say, well, that that's me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of those, get one of those bras and then be disappointed. And it just, again, then you have this bra that ends up sitting in the back of your drawer or getting thrown out. And it, it just mm-hmm. makes me so mad that, that I just wish companies would say what they do. So we make a really great wire-free bra and it fits up to this size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but instead, it's just, oh, we only – we dress everyone except you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's it's really, really frustrating. And I just think this, like, drive for, like, oh, we're going to cash in on lingerie, on intimates is, like, has led to all of these companies making poorly fitting things, poor quality things, sending people up for weird subscriptions that are not good. Um, and alienating a lot of people by not making their size. Like, it's all very bad faith because the reality is that making a good bra, it is a feat of engineering. Exactly. Like, it's not – It really is. <laughs> it's – I I tried to – so I'm not 
very good at sewing. So I will disclaimer, but I, I can kind of sew a little bit. And I took a bra making course. It was over a weekend and the bra that I ended up making and I followed the instructions. It was not me. <laughs> was garbage on me. It was, I actually felt better without the bra. I'm like, this is actually making my breasts like point in weird directions. Like it was just, it was a nightmare. And it was also really hard. And I know people who are actually talented seamstresses who are like really good at fiddling with patterns and figuring things out and like tailoring things to their own bodies who are still struggling, especially if they are not in the like easier to fit sizes. So if they are someone like me, who is like a 32 double G in that kind of world, they'll try to make a bra and it it's really hard. And also most of us don't have access to like these specialized materials. So most <laughs> no. companies making bras are like getting custom made underwires or like getting specially tailored fabrics and if you are doing this on your own, you, you don't have that. And you also don't have like a team of people like working on the, the, the fit and the engineering and testing things out. So it's, it's hard. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not, no one can just throw a bra out there. Like it's, it's work. And, you know, that is a great segue into my next question for you. Not that a, an expensive bra is always a good bra. But why is a good bra frequently more expensive than a bad bra? I know that was like a roundabout <laughs> question. Because we know that, you know, not all bras, right? Like some people, it's just like with clothing, are charging a lot of money for things that aren't really great quality. There are people out there, shocking to hear, who are making bad bras and charging a lot of money for them. But like a good bra is probably going to be a little bit more expensive, right? Why is that? So – First off, like, first off, we're so used to wanting undervaluing clothes. So mm -hmm. clothes now are cheaper than they've like ever been. And true. really for a bra where it's often a complicated garment, it's going to cost more because it takes more uh, to make it. Uh, this isn't to say like, if you're living, like also we live in the world and some people, you just don't have the means. You've got to like live within your budget. And if you are buying from a brand that is not making the best bras or is not the most sort of ethical brand, like you got to do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. But one, it, it usually like a more expensive bra is usually going to have better quality materials. So materials that will feel better on your body. So I've had lots of people who will come in and say, I hate lace. It's itchy and terrible. And then I'll put them in a lace bra and they'll say, Oh, this is soft and feels great. <laughs> and it's because they were getting cheap, itchy lace. <laughs> so if you right. have, <laughs> like, if you have a nice soft lace, then it can be a lovely material. Um, having things like a company that will make specialized underwires, which this is really nerdy, but like having ones for full bust. So <laughs> there is this weird thing where they, people seem to think that like, as you get bustier, you also suddenly get taller. Like I kind of sometimes will see it with when they grade um, plus size clothing, like 
your shoulders don't suddenly become dramatically wider. <laughs> and it's, it's the same thing with bras where you have to understand like how bodies change when they leave this sort of like known standard of how sizing works. And uh-huh. a lot of cheap bra companies or cheaper bra companies don't take the time to do that. So they might make your size, but they'll do a bad job of it. <laughs> um, no, it's true. That is a very good call out too. And then it's also just uh, different, again, the materials, the the sizing, um, more selection. Like, unfortunately for me, like in my size, I'm not going to be able to find of super cheap bra because the companies making super cheap bras don't make my size. So sometimes it's, it's as simple as that. It's like, well, I'm going to spend a little bit more because this is what's available to me. And then at the end of the day, like you are hoping, and that's not always the case, but a bra that is a little more expensive will hopefully mean that the people who are making that bra are being paid fairly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee, yeah. but... Yeah, it's true. If you buy a bra for $10 or less, odds are very high that no one was paid or treated well to make it. I mean, it just doesn't add up. I'll tell you that even the lowest quality fabrics for intimates are pretty expensive, especially the materials for bras. Um, This is a lesson I have learned the hard way by observing things go terribly awry at one of my jobs. And I'll tell you, like, a decent, like – you know, stretch or, or mesh or power mesh, like this stuff is so expensive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of make in a bra. As you mentioned, they're real, it's, it's, it's really hard to sew a bra. It's very technical and specific. There's a lot of sewing involved for how little it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a complicated garment. Like there, I, I remember, um, I once saw, there's a schmancy bra company on Pront. They're French and they make beautiful bras. I will say their bras are works of art and engineering. They are quite expensive, but I understand why as, as someone who has, has once or twice been able to purchase one of their bras and wear them, but they did like, basically a dissection where they took a bra and then had a photo of all of the component parts and just seeing it like that versus like a t-shirt dress where you're it it's two halves of a t-shirt sewn together like with the bra you're like okay here's the underwires here's the casing here's the hooks and eyes like here's this little seam part here here's the straps here's the strap like adjusters there's so many little fiddly bits that go in, go into to making a bra so it's going to take a little more time and a little more money so something that i see coming up often on websites Going back, I don't, I'm not meaning to drag Rihanna Fenty here, but this is one place where I've seen these callouts where the bras that are maybe A through D look one way. Actually, I see this a lot on Aerie too. These bras that are larger size don't look the same. They have different side panels, larger straps, wider straps, I would say. I this makes sense to me because once again bras are like a feat of engineering. But do you have any like easier way to understand why yes, the construction of a bra for a larger size is going to be different? Uh because 
you're going to be supporting more weight. Um, right. So right. it's like some of it is uh, just the engineering. So if you, I'm trying to think if you had a, I'm going to come up with a really sort of not common example. So like a quarter <laughs> cup bra. So this is a bra where there's like, just like a quarter of a cup and it is a, it, I feel like we're cooking right <laughs> now. It does. Your <laughs> nipples are exposed. This is not an everyday bra, but it's a very like sexy vintage feeling bra. And I have seen companies who make full bust bras make these. And anytime I have seen someone try one of these on, usually they're disappointed because they're, because their breasts aren't able to like stand up on their own. <laughs> It doesn't look the same as the picture of the smaller bust person. So sometimes it's uh-huh. sometimes it's like, okay, we're changing the pattern because it can't do what like it's not feasible in terms of engineering, but it's also not always, but sometimes rock companies do know better where they're like, you think that you want this thing, but then you're going to actually see what happens when we make it this way (laughs) and it's not going to feel good (laughs) and you'll feel like uncomfortable or you won't like the look so you could make like a very low cut bra with skinny straps but it's not going to be able to lift your breasts to the height of the like model in the c cup if you are a g cup and it's probably going to dig into your shoulders and oh, the straps feel will be terrible. terrible. It'll be and terrible. If they're yeah. using like a single layer of the same like stretch mesh, it's probably not actually going to hold you up and you might spill over the top mm-hmm. edge because it doesn't have enough sort of like strength to hold everything in place. So it's, it's probably just not going to feel as good. So usually all of these like little changes are are for good reason. And I know it can be frustrating because I think my issue is sometimes they, I sometimes wish that uh, companies who did decided to like expand their sizing, maybe started on the other end. So started with Mm, that construction of the like, this is the like expanded size, make a beautiful bra and then, do the small bust version. But I think sometimes when they're redesigning to make it fit a bigger size, it's kind of an afterthought. So they're thinking of the like, okay, well, it's not going to work this way, engineering sort of business, but they're not really thinking of the like consumer experience and the fashion experience of it. And and mm-hmm. it just doesn't have that same glamour, like where I've seen bras and I've seen the small bust and the full bust version and I understand the design story of the smallest version where I'm like, oh, yes. And this heart like perfectly goes over your nipple. And like, that, that's so cool. And then the full bust version, they're just kind of like, yeah, okay, we just put some thicker straps. And now the heart is in a weird place. And like all of the things that you loved about the other one are gone. <laughs> so I do. Yeah, I like that idea of starting yeah. at the other end. Which, like not all the time, but I think if you're going to make that full bust bra, just start and make that bra. (laughs) 
totally. Well, you're you're gonna end up in a better you're a better place for more yeah. people. I think you know. As you were talking, I was thinking about, and I know you're gonna know what I'm talking about, but. You know, the 90s were really transformative for lingerie, thanks to Calvin Klein um, and all of the, like, sheer mesh bras and panties. You know, like, I remember uh, – oh, my God, why am I blanking on her name? Kate Moss was the model, um, always modeling this. We sold, we actually sold these at my first oh. retail job. And at one point, Kate Moss and Johnny Depp came in and bought them. Even though she was, I would assume, getting some of them for free as the, as the Calvin Klein model. But anyway, those bras were not made to hold more than a B cup. And that was an intentional decision. Like, those straps were, like, so thin. The mesh was so thin. The cups were so shallow. You know, it was like everything about it was, was not inclusive. Um, and I think that was the first time, really, where we saw fashionable bras and other intimates not well kind of existing in the first place but not being more inclusive because it was an intentional choice yeah to make things really tiny and unfortunately i think we we've seen because that aesthetic is still really popular everybody's got a sheer mesh bra right um i think that we've seen some of that carry into even this century where i Listen, I've tried on bras where I'm like, I no one should have to wear this strap. <laughs> no one. You know, like you can it's cut you're in the fitting room and it's cutting into your shoulders already. Um I I do think that much like I hope we're in the beginning of a new era with clothing where we're starting to see that like maybe where we start with extra small and then work our way up isn't the best approach anymore because it's not creating the best clothes that fit the most people and make people feel the happiest. Perhaps we need to revisit that with lingerie too. I think that that is such a good point. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. I think this is again why, like, I wish that I feel there's always this urge to, to be the company that does everything. And that usually ends up meaning that if you try to do that, you're going to do a, bad job <laughs> in some places. And so again, it goes to that, like where I want companies to, I think specializing is good. And I think it's just being clear about specializing. So there are also like, I talk all about like full bust bras, but I know for people who wear smaller cups, Buying bras can also be miserable. And I've seen some bras made for smaller cup sizes that are just bad, where they like place <laughs> the breasts, like the wires are really close together and like super in the center of the chest. <laughs> and so even if it's uh, the right size, like it's going to gap weird and like poke you at the sides. And it's just like, you just need to space those cups apart and those wires need to be wider. And the cups, like it's just not the right shape. And I, I love seeing these smaller companies who are like, hey, I am, I am making this thing and we're doing a good job of it. Um, and I, yeah, I guess it's just going back to like, if, you, if you're able to sort of know, <laughs> know your limits <laughs> in terms of what you can do and not try to do everything, it's like, oh, we're a fast fashion brand and now we're going to do a makeup line and now we're going to do a lingerie line. Like, I think that there's always this 
this urge in, in business to like expand everywhere, but sometimes that isn't the right choice. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think that could summarize a lot of bad things that have appeared in this world in the past, like ever, basically. Um, Okay. One last question I have for you about bras that it's on my mind all the time. Why are strapless bras so horrible? And is there a good one or should we all just give up? Because <laughs> um, One, because sometimes they're horrible. Um, so – I mean, and I get it. It's like it's hard architecturally, yeah, right? Like you're supporting right. without straps. Um, so – Here's a bunch of reasons. Uh, one, again, if you're in the right size, most likely you're going to get a better experience. Um, <laughs> two, getting like the right bra. So um, if you are sort of like in the small to medium zone, Wakol makes a bra called the red carpet that is brilliant. If you're Plus size, Sculptress makes a bra called Dana. Um, if you are busty with a smaller band, Curvy Kate makes the Lux. Like any bra nerd will know these bras because they're good <laughs> um, and they do the job. <laughs> but also sometimes it's your body. Not to say like your body is the problem, but I'm a, I own a bra store. I'm a bra fitter. And there are strapless bras that are made in my size, and I do not own one because they feel like garbage because I have a rib cage that kind of flares out. And that means Mm -hmm. without having the straps to sort of relieve some of the weight of the wires and the pressure, it's just horribly uncomfortable. So if I am going to wear something strapless, I want to get a bustier because it's going to go down either to my waist or to my hips. And that means it's spreading out the pressure and I'm getting all the support from below. So it's again, that sort of architectural engineering thing. Um, I just, yeah. So strapless bras suck because sometimes they just suck. (laughs) Um, But a bustier, if you find like you try a million strapless bras and no matter what, they're not feeling good, then then maybe look at a bustier or or bra tape. Ah, I hadn't even thought of that. After I asked you this before, I was like, oh, you're right. It is a lot to ask of a bra that with no straps to just like <laughs> do all the bra things with half the equipment missing. If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles by embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. 
Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. For the month of April, St. Evans is supporting United Farm Workers Foundation, mobilizing farm workers and their organizations across the country to advocate for more equitable policies. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearsaintevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom-and-pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul, and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns, handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed, made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicware, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnicware in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnicware recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnicware offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. The Pewter Thimble is a curated secondhand shop based out of Rome, Italy. Owner Desiree Marie Townley has a background in costuming and makeup for dance and opera and focuses on dressing for the character you want to be in the world. 
Curated collections are dropped in a story sale and always have a specialized theme, like the color palette of Starry Night, the film classic Casablanca, and the children's novel The Secret Garden. Desiree works with local artisans, and pieces are rescued from markets and rehabilitated and resold with worldwide shipping. The Pewter Thimble is a collection of pieces that will have eternal style from the Eternal City. Discover more on Instagram at the Pewter Thimble. You know, I guess the last thing I wanted to just ask you or talk about, you know, when you first reached out to me, you said like, oh, you probably wouldn't want to have me on your podcast because, you know, I don't sell sustainable bras. Bras are made of synthetic fabrics. Swimwear is made of synthetic fabrics. So like probably you wouldn't want to talk about that. But I, you know, I told you, I was like, I think there are a lot of ways in which what you're doing embraces progress, not perfection, which is what we're all about around here. So I was just wondering if you had some thoughts on that. That is something I'm trying to live by. So one, I'm by trying to do one good thing. So one of the good things I'm trying to do good thing, but like, I want to be able to help people feel more comfortable and to be able to buy bras in a way that is not Mm. stressful. Mm -hmm. And I want I've narrowed my focus to busty people because I'm a busty person. So I'm selfishly saying bras for us. Um, but I, I want to make like a stressful and uncomfortable shopping experience less so. And I think that that's a good thing. And I want to be able to carry sizes that are usually hard to find. And I think that that's a good thing. And then the other thing that I'm like, working towards, but it's not perfect is like being a boss, which <laughs> is weird and uncomfortable yeah, for me. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> um, it's really hard. Where it's, especially as a small business owner, there's like, you're, if you look at a lot of the advice that like the world gives you, it's like how to be an asshole. It's like, here's how we can, you can pay your employees less and here's how to cut corners. And it's really, really gross. And so I'm not, I'm not perfect. Like one day I would like to be a store that pays a living wage. One day I would like to earn (laughs) a living wage. Um, But at least trying to, um, work towards those things. So, uh, there's a really cool, uh, really cool hip for the kids. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, this group called the better way Alliance and they're like a, uh, group of like small businesses in, in my province, <laughs> very niche here, but I discovered them and that they're all about sort of decent work practices. And this is where I've decided to focus my attentions because there's only so many things I can do at one time. And so it's, doing the things that allow the best experience that at this time I can give the people who work for me. So that means I want to focus on, you know, a fair wage. I want to, I offer paid sick days. I was really excited to be able to like do health benefits. um, Yeah, that's amazing. And dental benefits. And it's just, but it's, it's seeing like setting those goals and realizing again in that progress, not perfection that I can't do everything all at once. Like I, Mm -hmm. I live in the world (laughs) 
and making those little steps forward towards um, where I want to be. And I, I think that that is something that like a lot of, it was really weird. To, so sorry, I'm going to ramble again, like during, <laughs> during the pandemic. So there was a lot of um, talk about uh, paid sick days because if someone is sick with COVID, often most of us have come in sick to work, but especially when you're not like making, if you're working in a, a factory or a restaurant or in retail, there's that like, I, if I don't go into work, I'm not going to get paid. So I'm just going oh, to totally. work through it. Totally. <laughs> and also there is a, like a weird culture too in work where everyone's like, well, you're going to let down your coworkers or like you're being a baby mm -hmm. if you don't come in and you're sick. And that got even worse when it's like, oh, well, someone could get really sick and like get more people sick when it came to COVID. And so there were a lot of people trying to like talk about paid sick days and that was something I always offered at my store. And when COVID hit, I was like, I'm going to extend the amount that I offer. So if, you know, someone needs to quarantine or whatever, I, I can, they're not going to stress out and they'll know that they're taken care of. But the the complaint was always like this is going to ruin small businesses you're like if people offer paid sick Good days Lord. small businesses are no! going to go under <laughs> and it's it's so off and these are the people like really it's the voices of big businesses who are saying this but they're using small businesses as this like excuse where it's like you're going to ruin the mom and pops and it makes me so mad and i just i wish that when businesses were being created or growing, they were starting from a place of, I <laughs> like wrapping these costs into your starting costs. Oh, 100%. So, I mean, it's like the injustice <laughs> is baked into the model. Exactly. Where it's like, yeah, well, maybe this place won't run because like the only way many businesses are running is because they're exploiting people and, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's, that's a problem. <laughs> it's, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but I literally had that exact thought this morning. I was brushing my teeth, getting ready for work, and I was listening to NPR and they were interviewing someone who was just like a total asshole who was like going on about this and that, like all the things that like happened during the pandemic that made it harder to be profitable as a business. And I was like, fuck oh. you. If you can't pay people or give them sick days or I'm not talking at a small business level, but like large business level, if you can't do these things, you're the problem. Yeah. Not the workers who, who need these things. Exactly. And I like, I know I can't hold myself to the same standards as like a huge corporation, but I like to try to, within a reasonable way, say that where when I made my business plan, I said, these are some of the things that are non-negotiable. And then mm -hmm. these are some of the things that I want to work towards. So I knew I wouldn't be able to do 
um, health benefits when I first opened, especially because a lot of places don't offer that for like a, like one person or two people. Like it just was not um, possible, but I knew it was something I was working towards. And so when it came to like, where does the money go next? If my store is growing and becoming like more successful, it's not like, well, I'm going to open five new locations. Not that I'm anywhere near that, but like it's, it's seeing these things as, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on a like <laughs> rant again, <laughs> but like having these policies in place, it's not just because you want to be a nice person. It's because it means people are happier and they're going to want to work for you and they're going to actually like care about their work more. <laughs> it's not like I'm, I am also being selfish in like trying to do these things because it, it means like people want to stick around longer. (laughs) Yeah. And then you don't have to go through hiring all the time. And, and it means that customers are going to have a better experience. Cause like we've all been to places like sometimes someone's just having a hard day or someone just doesn't want to work. But often like if you're going to a place and you have a really bad experience, it's like, well, why is everyone so grumpy? (laughs) at this point oh my god every time I go somewhere now that's like where my brain goes and I like start to dissect it because it's not a coincidence you know exactly yeah so it's I don't know I I hope (laughs) I hope as like I I wish that there were and it's it's so great having this this podcast and so great having for me having that group because for a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses, the advice out there or the guidelines out there are Uh, based on just being awful and making as much money as possible. And it, it's, it feels like you're being like an, a utopian when you try to think of how to do things differently. And so it's really nice to see examples of other, businesses who are trying and succeeding and saying Mm -hmm. like, if I do this, it doesn't mean I'm going to be set up for failure. And I think it's important to like have people talking about this. So if, if you're like at home thinking like, I want to start a small business or I want to do this, like that you can say like, okay, like this, this is, this is a real thing. (laughs) This is possible. (laughs) It It is possible. It absolutely is possible. It becomes less possible seeming, although still possible, the larger you get. It's sort of like, I don't know, if you were like, I'm too busy to brush my teeth, right, 10 years ago, um, and you never f- found the time to get back into brushing your teeth. This is a very depressing story. <laughs> I hope this isn't happening to anyone. But 10 years of not brushing your teeth later, there's no turning back, man. You're going to have to go get, like, full fake teeth, you know? And it's, like, a similar thing to be, like, oh, I'm small. I'm not going to try to offer these benefits. Because someday, if your goal is some large growth, which a lot of entrepreneurs, that is what they're imagining, right? That's, like, what we're trained to want. Suddenly you have a 1,000 employees and no one has health insurance. Well, you know, that might be a little extreme. But, like, I worked for a company. I'm going to be really honest. I want to say our sales were about, I don't know, $20, 30000000 million a year. That's not a tiny amount of money. 
the company roughly probably had 25, 30 employees in total. None of us had health insurance. And my boss's CEO was like, well, you know, profitability is our number one focus. We can't do it. And I was just like, this should have been baked into the model five years ago. This is insane. This is insane and so unethical. And like people I worked with, like, you know, we were also, of course, wildly underpaid. People couldn't see doctors for their health issues. I mean, it was just so unconscionable when I saw I knew how much money was coming in every month, every year. Just so messed up. The amount of money we were spending on marketing, but we couldn't spend. Just take a tiny, shave a little bit off of that and give everybody health care. Don't, don't be that. Don't be that, you know? Yeah. I don't want to give... When I hear things like that about companies, I'm like, well, that person's never getting a dime from me again. Exactly. You know? Well, do you have any final thoughts, words of wisdom that you want everyone to hear? <laughs> um... I have, I have thoughts. It's on okay being, if you have nothing. I, I have <laughs> thoughts on being an entrepreneur. Okay, uh, tell us about it. Which is, uh, I'm able to do this because I'm really lucky. Um, and which mm-hmm. isn't to say like if you are not in the same circumstances, but there's this whole like oh like everyone like working from the ground up. I I'm lucky that I have a partner who has a full time job. So those times where I couldn't pay myself. <laughs> I knew that we would be able to like scramble our rent and groceries together. Like I'm lucky that I had friends and family who were supportive enough to like help me in many ways from just sometimes listening to like, here is like a little bit of money to help you, or I'm going to come and paint your store with you. Like there are so many reasons why I am where I am. I like, I, I, there was a program that helped um, entrepreneurs. And this is like the reason I was able to have my business was because they, you go through this whole program and you write a business plan and then they help you secure a loan. And if I was to go and try to get a loan where I was at, when I opened the business, everyone would have (laughs) laughed at me and said no. But because I had the backing of this government program that said like, here's some young entrepreneurs who (laughs) like did this program, you can trust them. I was able to, to get that loan. And I think that like, there's so many ways to have a business and it doesn't always mean like having like a physical location of a store and like, Mm -hmm. there's ways to like build it from the ground up. But I, I feel like there, there's a lot of like guilt and, um, imposter syndrome from people where they, they look at these success stories and you never hear about the like (laughs) connections that people had or the, um, sort of privileges that people had that allowed them to get where they are. And I, I try to be transparent about that because I, I hate that. Like, I'm just a scrappy entrepreneur. Yes, I'm a scrappy entrepreneur, but also Ugh, I had I help. hate it. <laughs> That's always the narrative that is pushed by like business media and I hate it. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I think that we all need to be more straightforward about that. Like, yes, plenty of people, uh, well, a lot of people are able to be entrepreneurs because of various, various privileges. Others 
sometimes people don't succeed as entrepreneurs. I don't feel like we hear about that. Instead, we're sold this idea of like, it's so easy if you work hard enough. Yeah. You know, and that's that. The pro- if you're not succeeding, it's because you're bad at working. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and sometimes it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't have the connections or I don't have the resources or whatever. And some of it's just luck. <laughs> like, Oh my God, so much luck. So much luck. Any of my friends who have been successful or unsuccessful with their businesses will tell you it is so random sometimes. Yeah. It just works or it doesn't work. Um, and it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> It really isn't. Um, well, thank you so much. This was so delightful. I can't believe how long we talked about bras, but I feel like we barely made a dent in the subject. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again to Sam for spending many, many hours with me. In fact, as we were about to start recording, I always give every guest a spiel about how the recording process works, editing, all that stuff. There was a weird power surge in my house that momentarily knocked out our power and my computer shut down. Then it seemed to forget my password, so I had to go through a long and frustrating rigmarole of resetting my Apple ID. I know Many of you have experienced this firsthand and know the frustration. And then my monitor wouldn't work. And as I was fixing that, I broke a glass. <laughs> it's just a lot. There was this like 30-minute lull where I was in panic mode dealing with all of this nonsense. But I pulled it all together. Sam was so patient. She was an amazing guest. And we had a great time. So thank you so much, Sam. You can find Sam on Instagram as at Broad Lingerie, and I'll share all of her other contact info in the show notes. I'm just going to say it again. The most sustainable bra is one that fits you well, makes you feel your breast, and gets a lot of wear and proper care. Nothing is disposable, especially bras. So if it turns out that none of the bras in your drawer right now actually fulfill my definition of the most sustainable bra because they fit terribly or cause you physical discomfort or never get worn, then thoughtfully rehome them using some of the outlets suggested by Sam, like your local buy nothing group, a clothing swap, or donate them to a shelter and then start over with the bra that is right for you. Remember, it's progress not perfection. And when we're all working together to make positive changes like this one, and we're sharing what we've learned with those around us, we really do make a lot of progress. Thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse. Written, researched, hosted, edited, all the things by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating, maybe even a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, tell your friends. That's how we make change by getting more and more people involved. If you'd like to support my work here on Close Horse, you can find out more information at patreon.com slash podcast. And thanks as always to Justin Travis White for our music and audio support. Bye. (laughs) 